Hello, all. Welcome to the X Millennial Man podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik, and with me here is, if I had to rank the best littlest brothers ever on the planet, he would definitely be number one and not even close, even though he's 40 now. That's how much of a little brother he is. The greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm 40 now. You're kind of throwing shade at our brother, Seth, because he's your little brother. <laughs> I said also, the littlest, but... the littlest brother. <laughs> oh, that's right. I am the littlest brother. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, a lot of people told me 40 was going to be different, and I don't generally care about birthdays, but I've been able to go running the past three days, but something inside of me, it's probably all mental right now, but something inside of me keeps saying, oh, your hips are a little bit more sore than they were in your 30s. So my 30s were great. It was hard to leave my 30s, but I don't know. As our aunt told me when I talked to her, 40 is the new 20. So yep, I'll just okay. go with that. 40 is all well and good. And yeah, and I, I had coffee with our father on my birthday. And he kind of said what you kept saying. He can't he cannot believe his baby son is 40 years old now. So last week we did our sports and politics. And in the, the week since, I don't think anything. I will say this just for the records, not would have not been one of my best sports moments. But I actually watched the Army-Navy game. I told my kid, hey, you want to see how they mm-hmm. played football 100 years ago? <laughs> and it was – the first half was garbage. But yeah. the second half was weirdly great. And in the mm-hmm. 130 meetings, this is the first time they ever went to overtime. Yeah, Navy should have won too, mm-hmm. but they fumbled on the goal line. That, yeah. was, that was a good game though. It was definitely a good game. For this week, we're going to do TV, movies, music, any other pop culture that we could think of. And first off, I'm going to say – at the top here, I appreciate everybody that supports the show, our patrons, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. I appreciate the hell out of all that stuff. I need a lot more if we're going to make sure that Ty and I see all of this stuff because it's not our job to see all this stuff. And I'm going to explain that as I go along. That I have a lot of empty spots in my pop culture this year. Yeah, I'm going to lean heavily on you. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a movie you're going to probably talk about that I am still have not seen yet. And I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. And I also think I might get conned into going to see that damn Avatar movie. But again, my, my wife has as much interest as I do, which is zero to see. Yeah, so I'll, stoked. I'll explain as we go along. But <laughs> I want to start with television because... We do not know what each other's lists are, and usually I tell you we want about five shows, but this year, television-wise, I think was great. I think that's for a lot of reasons. As a matter of fact, one of the shows I'm going to talk about, they actually discussed this on their podcast, is that you were at a time where we had this empty spot for a while because of the pandemic, and then people were trying to figure out how to work through the pandemic, and so... You had these shows being made, and they were being made over a long period of time. It wasn't like, oh, we have to have this show ready for the fall season. We have to do this. So these shows were able to develop over a long period of time. And the ones I'm going to talk about, especially my number one show, Ty, it shows. It shows that these people thought about what they were doing. I'm also going to tell you up front here, I don't have any network television shows. I don't watch Chicago Police or... (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, Younger Sheldon or whatever, any of that yeah. other stuff. And people can get mad yeah, at me about it. I'm looking at my list now. I only have one one show that's on regular TV or yeah. whatever you want to call that now. And yes, I of the shows I have, a lot of them are, are superhero shows. But I'll tell you what I definitely wanted to try to do. I wanted to put new shows on here. And so having said that, if I had to put a number five spot... I was like, what's the one of the best shows I watched this year? And it's probably The Boys, the last season of The Boys, the latest oh, yeah. season. But I have not seen the last season of Better Call Saul, which I guarantee you would have been on my list. I'm going to, as a matter of fact, get my AMC Plus 14-day whatever over the holidays <laughs> and, just, and just crush it. Yeah, Very and, smart. <laughs> and I haven't uh, seen the latest season of Documentary Now, which is one of my mm. favorite shows ever. But again, I have to do the same thing. So I'm going to give it over to you. Give me give me a show or two here that was definitely the best you saw this year. So my criteria is different from yours. I'm not doing just new shows because there's a lot of shows that I watch. There's a lot of shows that I don't watch. That's why I think I told you off mic, you and I will probably have different lists because you watch a lot more streaming shows. And now I do watch a lot of streaming shows, but... I'm looking at my list here and the majority of the stuff that I have on here is all now like there's certain shows that I did watch binge watched on streaming devices, but they're all on regular TV. A couple that I did watch, you know, in real time on regular TV. One of them is what we do in the shadows. I think that is consistently becoming one of the best shows on TV, the way they explore things. And they shot 
this this fourth season is the season that came out. They shot it during the pandemic. Everything was shot and filmed during that. The show continues to be funny. It continues to get better. The storylines that they had this year with Najee opening up a club and Guillermo being her her broker guy or whatever, but stealing money to pay for his family and stuff and meeting his boyfriend and the stuff that happens with his boyfriend and Nandor and all the stuff with baby Colin Robinson and Matthew Barry is it, it was incredible. It was a funny season. Spoiler for people who haven't watched yet. Season three, Colin Robinson, quote unquote, dies, but comes back as a baby in season four. And to see the relationship between him and Matthew Barry was really incredible. It was a father son type thing. And I think that's what I gained most out of this season of what we do in the shadows. But everybody on that show, they're home run hitters. They had an episode this year, uh, Trading Places, HGTV type thing, and the Sklar brothers played. St. Louis boys, the Sklar mm-hmm. brothers played the two, the two guys. So what we do in the shadows continues to be an excellent TV show. And in that vein, FX has two other shows that I am just goo goo gaga about. One of them is The Bear. A lot of people have talked about this show. This is one of the shows that I binged. But it's about a famous chef who quits his job working at a fancy restaurant and comes home and runs his family's Italian beef type business. But he wants to run it like a fancy restaurant. And this show is intense and fast and full of swear words and crazy stuff happens. There's a whole a whole episode where they go to do a kid's party that they're serving hot dogs. And his I believe it's his cousin who runs the business with them puts Xanax in everybody's Kool-Aid. So all the kids are sleeping down the whole sleeping the whole time they're at this birthday party. But the way this show moved, the way this show talked about food and did the things that they did with food and the way they filmed and showed food was really incredible. And it, it, it hooked me from episode one. The other FX show that I do have on this list is Atlanta. We didn't just get one season of Atlanta this this year. We got two, their final two seasons. Season three was a head trip. It was crazy. They were in Amsterdam. They were in uh, all different locales the whole time. There was a whole episode with Tupac being in it, which was awesome. And then season four, they went back to Atlanta and wrapped everything up. And the way the show ended is so great to me because it leaves you sitting there thinking. It left me wanting more. Donald Glover is at the top of the game in TV. I actually grappled with maybe putting this as number one on my list because it is such a good show. It didn't quite make number one because I'll talk about that soon here, but... Atlanta, for four seasons of television, did things that not a lot of other TV shows could pull off, and they pulled it off perfectly. I mean, you go from Donald Glover to Zazie Beetz to Lakeith Stanfield to Brian Tyree Henry, everything they did on this show, the way they built up Paperboy's career and the way they built up Earn's career and Earn and Zazie Beetz, Van getting back together, and Darius, his whole journey in this final season, Atlanta is was a perfect TV show. And as much as I want to see more, I think they did the right thing closing up after four seasons. FX is knocking it out of the park with TV right now. So a show that could have easily made my list because it did have a season. And again, like I said, I'm trying to go newer shows, but it's a show I discovered this year. I can't in good conscience and you feel and go to bed at night and feel good about myself, <laughs> put it on the list. Cause I have not watched the season that premiered this year, but I through a multitude of Apple devices and stuff. I had like three months free of Apple TV plus. And so I did sit down and watch Ted Lasso this year. I've not seen the second season of that, but there's a show on Apple TV called for all mankind, which the very first first episode envisions the Russians landing on the moon before the Americans. And then it changes it's like this alternate history. We're about midway through the second season where they have honest to God bases on the moon and they're retrofitting or they're creating machine guns in case they have to go fight the Soviets on the moon. It's a incredible. I mean, first off, the show looks incredible. I mean, I joke with my wife all the time that I can't believe they actually allowed them to shoot that on the moon because it, <laughs> it looks amazing. It's, it's a really, really good show. I have to say that, but I do want to talk about two particular superhero shows. Okay. The first one's Ms. Marvel, which was on uh, Disney+. Plus. And Still haven't seen that. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you about Ms. Marvel, okay? And I, I watched a couple of the other ones. I watched Moon Knight, which I thought was fine. But Loki was something special, I think they did on Disney+, Plus of these Marvel shows. Ms. Marvel, to me, is... So I grew up pre-all these big Marvel movies, obviously, when I was young, I, I liked my Batman, I liked my Superman, I liked my DC, but but I also liked Spider-Man. And the reason why I like Spider-Man so much is because he was a down-on-his-luck kid who happened to have superpowers. But he wasn't rich. He 
was he was smart, but he would figure stuff out, has some of the coolest villains ever. But the thing about Spider-Man that was so good is he's a teenager. And he's got teenager problems, you know. He's the girl he likes doesn't want to talk to him, and she, he can't tell about his powers, and he gets bullied, and all this other stuff. And then when they made the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, which I think he's great in it and stuff like that, but five minutes in, he's best friends with Tony Stark, and he's got a super <laughs> suit, and he's got all this other stuff. Ms. Marvel was that Spider-Man origin story. Was a teenager, yeah. and put on top of that, she's also Muslim, and the show really goes heavy into our treatment of Muslims, but it was, I can't remember the name, her name off the top of my head, but the, the actress that played Kamala Khan is, is great. And the show is fun. It's exciting. The music's great. I, and it gave you this kind of, gee, it'd be really awesome to be 16 and having superpowers, but you know what? It also kind of sucked too. Yeah, so totally. I, I did, I did like that. But the other one, which when I first made my list, this was number one. But I, there was just two shows I had to put ahead of it is uh, Peacemaker on oh, HBO okay. Max. That was a great – it didn't make my list, but that was a great show. I've already watched through it twice. I mean, <laughs> I loved, loved, loved Peacemaker. I mean, and it just gives you – you go back and you think of Logan or even like I talked about The Boys. Like yeah. superhero stuff is bloody and messy and they're awful human beings, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're, they're damaged. They have problems. Yeah. I thought Peacemaker, it's all the news going on right now of uh, James Gunn and taking over DC and all this other stuff. After watching Peacemaker, I'm all for it. I'm 100% for it. This guy, another St. Louis guy, Mm -hmm. seems to know what the hell he's doing. And he took somebody I'd never even freaking heard of, okay, until his Suicide (laughs) Squad movie. And John Cena, who's a pro wrestler. Now, I know they're actors and stuff like that. Sure. But... It's weird about that show how weirdly emotional and relatable uh, yep. Cena's character is. And, and it's about basically alien bugs that crawl into people's mouths. Oh, right? and his sidekick is the one of the best Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Vigilante. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, that, I, I implore people, if you don't want to watch that show but you want to see it, watch the scene with him when he's in prison. Yeah, it's That's the third episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had to give Peacemaker. But before yeah. we go into our top two here, I did. You had a couple other shows you wanted to mention. I do yeah. want to mention a moment. OK, so actually, no, you know, what? I'm going to let you mention your stuff because mine's going to lead into my top two. Oh. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So this year and I, they're on their second season now, but I this is my one network TV show that I watch. I discovered Abbott Elementary. The hype is real. Quinta Brunson's created something incredible. It reminds me of early The Office, American Office seasons. It's just, it's a funny show, but it's also a show that talks about how criminally under underpaying you, you are in the public school system. Public school systems do not get the money they deserve or the money they need, and these teachers work extra hard. But this show talks about that, but this show is also hilarious and all the accolades, everything more than worth it. Uh, there's two shows on HBO that this year, great, Righteous Gemstones, Continues to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, the way they touched on the pandemic and did everything and the cycle ninjas that they fought this year and all that stuff. I mean, it makes me a show like Righteous Gemstones makes me makes me like Eastbound and Down and Vice Principles even that much more than I thought I could. House of the Dragon was great. I know people are going to say, oh, it's too dark. You can't see the pictures or anything. It's blah, this, blah, blah, that. There's not enough dragons in it. I thought it was a very compelling show. I followed the whole first season. I was in on everything that I saw. I loved it. And then finally... This it's funny we're talking about this today because on my memories from a couple of days ago on my phone it came up that I wrote about this show PJ Mass talking about how <laughs> I didn't like that show and I got a lot of blowback from that a kid show I do love that I discovered this year with my daughter who's seven is Bluey I think Bluey's the best kid show since Yo Gabba Gabba I love everything about it. it it pulls at me a little bit differently because the the mom and the dad in the show do both work but the dad is home more often. So I kind of consider him a stay-at-home dad, and he's playing with his two daughters, Bingo and Bluey, on the show. And it's just a heartfelt, fun little 10-minute long romp of TV. Love that show. And this is not something at all that is out this year, but I'm going to see Joe Pair live in St. Louis in February. And you told me years ago I had to watch the show, and then a friend of mine who I'm going with told me to watch it. So I started watching Joe Pair Talks with you. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen on TV. People, I implore you, HBO Max, all three seasons are on there. 
10 minute long episodes. It's fantastic. Especially if you're from the upper peninsula of Michigan, you can relate to this show. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Parra talks with you is, is outstanding. <laughs> I do also want to say another show, just, I haven't seen it yet. And we're literally when we're done with for all mankind, my wife and I are going to go back. We're going to watch the, the Adam Scott show severance. Yeah. I Apple really want to see that, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Either. And so it, again, it's just, it's not, in there for me. I I have not watched that. So I want to talk a little bit about Star Wars on TV. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, the Mandalorian was was a revelation. Was and mm-hmm. not obviously they didn't have a season this year, but Book of Boba Fett did, and I enjoyed the hell out of Book of Boba Fett. Even when midway through they decided, ah, screw it, it's going to be the Mandalorian. But that's when I started to like it. <laughs> when they did that. So. And I saw somebody was talking about how it's Dave Filoni and John Favreau just taking all their old Star Wars toys and playing together. That's fine. That's good. That's exciting. Yeah. Like I said, I loved Miss Marvel, but that's what it was to me. The Book of Boba Fett, it was enjoyable. It was fun. It was like a nice little, uh, it was like Hawkeye. It was kind of fun. And it was like, okay, I don't know if I'll watch it again, but it was, it was cool. And then the Book Obi- of Boba Fett to me is one of the shows that you could tell was filmed like at the height of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Because there's very scenes where there's only two, three people on screen yeah. at a time. So yeah. And then they did the Obi Wan Kenobi show. I watched one episode of that. Yeah, and <laughs> it was fine. I will say this though, and spoiler alert, people, but I think everybody knows that Hayden Christian's in it as Darth Vader. Oh yeah. They have a he and Obi Wan have a fight at the end of the show. Where Obi-Wan just, uh, like, Vader's got him beat, but then he just comes out and basically almost destroys him, cuts his helmet in half. And you can see Hayden Christensen's, like, gnarled face underneath the helmet. And you hear him talking, and it's it's Anakin's voice and Darth Vader's voice. And Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen were great in this. We're really good. Obi-Wan's like, I'm really sorry, Anakin. I'm sorry this happened to you. And... The Anakin Vader in that weird voice says, you did not kill Anakin Skywalker. I killed him. And it was a, I mean, it was great. It was such a moment. But that like five minute fight there in the whole show, I just, again, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to watch that show. But, and this was number one until I hit myself on the head and said, no way. I just got done watching Andor. I need to watch that. That is that is my favorite Star Wars thing ever. Whoa. It is, it is okay. <laughs> easily. Now, again, this might be recency bias, but my God, that show is so good. And I know a lot of people had said that it starts off slow. Like the first three episodes is definitively like one story. And people are like, oh, but my God, that show. And I know a lot of people complain about how how slow it is, but it is. It's. It reminds me a lot of like Winter Soldier. It's a espionage thriller, and it's about just how how fascism happens, mm. and how at the end of the day, there's even a scene where a character says, "We invited the Empire in, and we said that's okay, they'll be gone." But then they stayed, and we just sat there and we did nothing. And supposedly, the story is in the very big last battle, they were all screaming, "F the Empire." And the director really tried to let Disney keep him in that, keep that in the uh. show, and they wouldn't let him do it. But it is so good. I mean, so good. And everybody in that show is incredibly outstanding. And it makes you go back for people like you that aren't the biggest fan of the prequels and stuff. It makes you like awe at Coruscant and look at these places and be like, oh my God, there's such, there's so many good stories that could be told in that world. I don't think it's so much so the prequels, right? Isn't this based off of Rogue One? Well, yeah, it's before, but it, it 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 visits a lot of the prequel places. Oh, okay. Because Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, so. no, and this is, I mean, this is the writer of Rogue One, I think, did this. And okay. there is just, I mean, again, not tons of action. And I know people, that is what bothers them. But when there is action, oh, my God. And everything in between, I mean, the... The like the the security person for the Empire, this blonde woman. I mean, she is a Deirdre Mora or something like that. She is freaking just frightening. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the biggest villain of the show is there's this kind of down on this luck dude who is a security officer who screwed up and now he's at the very bottom runs of working the Empire. His mother. 
his mother is like just always disappointed in him, always bringing him oh, down. Man. I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, no, it's a great great show. But uh, g- okay. give me your top shows here. Let's see, because I think you and I have the same number one. Oh, I I know we don't because mm. you've already mentioned it and said you haven't watched it yet. So oh, okay. number two, number number two for me is the rehearsal. Okay, I that's mean, my number one. Go ahead. I don't know that I I am a humongous Nathan Fielder fan. I love his work. I have rewatched Nathan for you. So many times I can't even count. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. So when I heard he was doing a show with HBO, I was psyched because I'm like, all right, he's going to go for it. He's going to do something different. And it's not going to be edited like it was for Comedy Central. The rehearsal is cringe comedy at its best. I mean, this is a type of show that Adult Swim wishes they could make Mm -hmm. because of what he does. And Nathan Fielder, it's funny. After we watched this, I read stuff where it's like, oh, he's taking advantage of these people. He's doing this. He's doing that. All these people agree to be on television. Yes. All they had to say was, no, thank you. I don't want to be on TV. But the stuff that he explores, the way the show starts out is like, oh, I'm going to get this guy to admit to his friend on his (laughs) bar trivia team that he doesn't have a master's degree. But it devolves into this whole thing of him taking care of a child who's an actor. (laughs) And the way that the show goes, the fact that he starts taking this kid to like Jewish classes to teach him Judaism and then splashes his hair with water so the fake mom thinks they were at swim class. Nathan Fielder's a genius. I don't understand why people say the things they did about this show. The show's amazing. It's cringe comedy at its best. At its best, Everybody knew what they were signing up for. I mean, he had an actor, an old man actor, pretend that he pooped in the woods and needed help wiping his butt, and a guy did it. That's how <laughs> eager people are. And that's what I think I love most about this show, is you see people, are so they're willing to do anything just to have that 15 minutes of fame, just to be on TV, just to have people recording a podcast talk about them at one point like we are today so the rehearsal's great but you said you haven't watched it so i will not spoil anything the best show of the year and i think it's a home run not even close is better call Saul. the final season of better call Saul is amazing it's a work of art it's an achievement bob odenkirk absolutely crushes every scene that he's in uh the actress who plays kim wexler it's criminal that she has never won an award for the show because she is fantastic Rhea Seahorn Rhea Seahorn yeah mm-hmm. I mean Mike Airman Trout the guy who plays him is amazing on the show Gus Fring Giancarlo Esposito they're all incredible when this show started I'm like they're gonna take Bob Odenkirk's character from this and make a whole show it's right up there with Breaking Bad it's an incredible incredible achievement of television Bob Odenkirk was amazing Carol Burnett shows up and she's not funny in this season at all the show is amazing the way it ended was fantastic it was so fulfilling vince gilligan is in that nathan fielder donald glover echelon for me he can do no wrong and to see i would i would love to watch a show about bill burr and lavelle crawford's character if vince gilligan were to write it so (laughs) better call saul was amazing it's the best by far the best show that was on tv in my opinion this year i cannot recommend people watch this show enough to see really a no show has made me feel like this since I watched The Wire. So I, I highly recommend people watch this show. No, like I said, I just I would always wait for it to come on Netflix is where and oh. but since the <laughs> okay. since AMC has their own thing now yeah. and it's on AMC, I just I need to yeah, I need to watch it. I will say Vince Gilligan's next show is with Rhea Seahorn over at Apple TV. So okay. another, I mean, look, there is, I, I'm not trying to be, Apple doesn't need any more advertising. Trust me. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not a little unknown group, but my God, there is some incredible, incredible stuff on there. Even stuff like Foundation that I was looking forward to. It didn't work. It looks great. They tried. I mean, so they're making those big swings and uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, the rehearsal. I mean, yeah. when I sat down and I thought about it, there is that's a show that after I watched it, because I didn't watch it in real time, I waited for all of them to be on and I watched it in like I a watched week. it every night, every <laughs> Sunday night when it came out. Yeah. We watched it. And then I watched it all again. That show is, I talked about documentary now at the beginning, how I, it's like a show I feel like was made just for me. Mm-hmm. The, the rehearsal was just, it, it was. It was something I wish I could have. It's the only time I've ever sat and watched a TV show and wish I could have thought that up. It was yes. so good. I mean, yeah. I, like I talk about Andor. Andor is – so I was saying this to somebody the other day that I love my G.I. Joe and I 
I um there when I was a kid I watched Voltron and then a couple of years ago Netflix redid Voltron and uh like about a decade ago somebody else like did a new version of GI Joe and you could tell these were made for people my age cuz we're the ones that grew up with it. My son doesn't care about Voltron. He doesn't care. So they took these things that we liked but they made them more grown up. That's what they did with Andor. That's what and so I could imagine that. I could imagine what that looks like. The rehearsal was yeah, I mean, I don't want to say I ever felt bad for these people. I no. did not feel bad for them, but it's like, <laughs> I, it's just something about that show just was said it to me. And he does that. And I know Nathan Fielder, he produces the How To with John Wilson, mm-hmm. which is great too, which is really, yeah. really good. This was just something better. Yeah. <laughs> and the way it ended was pure and utter perfection. I mean, it was absolutely so good, just yeah. so so good. So well, and you should tell the people the name of your fantasy football team. Oh yeah, Doctor Farr <laughs> came in nine out of ten. <laughs> that whole scene with him and the baby Ruth, and oh my god, people, you got you got to watch that show. Rehearsal is so good, so good. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, uh, movies. Now, I'm not going to go through until you're done talking about all your movies about what I did not go see, because some of these are going to be on your list. But I do want to say movies that I know none of us saw. There are two movies that you start, you look at people's top lists and all that stuff. One is this uh, Spielberg movie, The Fablemans. Which, yeah, I haven't seen it. Which, yeah, I don't even know if it's out yet. But yeah, a lot yeah. of critics have seen it. I watch these commercials and I want to throw my fist through the television. Because it okay. looks like, uh, look how beautiful movies are and it's so great. But from everything I've read, and, and I like 90% Steven Spielberg. You know, Spielberg mm-hmm. at the end, Spielberg's up a lot of his movies, but I, yeah. but he's a great director, obviously. And I'm like, the last thing I want to see is Steven Spielberg making a movie about how awesome movies are. And because it just, it's too saccharine, it's too sweet. But every review I've read has said it is criminal how they are advertising this movie. Isn't it about a family dissolving? Right. Everybody's like, yeah. this is, <laughs> this is a much different movie than what you're being sold. So I'm going to get suckered into seeing that. I know the other one is avatar, the, the water slide or whatever. (laughs) My opinion on that (laughs) last week, I said, I have absolutely zero reason to go see it. And Mm -hmm. somebody had tweeted out saying the reason to go see avatar is because they said, Go see Avatar. You're going to completely miss the plot because you're going to look over and go, holy shit, holy shoot, James Cameron made that fish. That fish looks amazing. And everybody's <laughs> like, so I think to myself, do I want to sit in the movie theater to see visually one of the most amazing things I'll ever see in my life? And I'm probably going to do it, and I'm going to hate myself afterwards. You're going to sit in a movie theater <laughs> for over three hours to look at a CGI fish? 
I very well may be because one of the movie right. the the quote unquote best movie I saw this year I'm going to talk about is being in the theater I think is what made it but I'm going to give it over to you because I've just got two movies I'm going to say something about so go ahead what, right. what were your top movies this year so I'm going to start off with my three action movies that I want to talk about first and the first one is a movie that I only heard people talking about on podcast and. Like, why are people talking about this? What's going on? It's, it, again, an over three-hour-long movie that I had to watch in three sittings so I could fit it all in. And it was a Bollywood movie, which I've never seen before. But RRR, you talk about a spectacle for the eyes. Yeah. That's exactly what this movie was. And the movie vacillates in between Hindi and Pakistani and English. And there's English actors in there. It, it's wild. It's nuts. But this movie is one of the most visually stunning I've ever seen. It is like they gave these two gentlemen who star in it superpowers. They're not superheroes. There's a scene of the two of them. The bigger guy is holding the smaller guy on his shoulders because the smaller guy's been stuck in this tiny jail that he can't move. And they're just shooting arrows at people. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The opening scene with the bigger guy is him tracking a tiger in the woods. And this tiger is enormous. And like you see it on TV, on my TV that I watch at home, and you can tell it's CGI, but damn, it looked real. Like I couldn't believe how real it looked. I could not tell you particularly what RRR is about, but it's got, like I said, some of the coolest visual things I've ever seen. The last 20 minutes of the movie is like a dance scene. And it's awesome. Like I didn't know how, I, how much I'd be into that part of it. The movie, I'm glad I heard these people talk about it. And I'm glad I watched it. And apparently they're making a sequel, which I will definitely see. The other two are a little understated compared to RRR, but Prey is one of them. Prey is a movie you Prey recommended Prey is one of the two that, movies I had, but yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You recommended it to me. I've seen all the other Predator movies that have been out there. This one feels different. This one feels better. This one feels like more care went into it. It's really cool. I like the fact that they take a Native American tribe back in. I think the movie took place in the 1800s. I could be wrong. Yeah, 18th century, maybe. Yeah, it was something. 18th century, yeah. But I thought it was very cool. Love the way they showed the Predator in this movie. It wasn't, the other ones weren't scary, but when you see them as a kid, they seem scary. The Predator looks scary. This one wasn't scary. There's a great fight scene between the Predator and a bear in this. But I think what I like most is that they showed how Native American tribes worked. I love that they gave the lead to a female. It was great. I loved it. Praise a great movie. The other one is The Northman. Now, this one is going to be trying for some people because it is a Viking movie. And Robert Eggers, who's directed some movies I really, really enjoy, but are also very, you have to be in the mood to watch it. The Northman talks in Viking language. They use Viking language. Now, they talk English, you know, they use English language, but they tried to make this movie, from what I read, as real as they could to the time. This movie's incredible. The Skarsgård who's in it, the one who is in True Blood, is in this movie. He's a hunk. I'll say it right now. The dude looks great. Anya Taylor-Joy plays his wife, his girlfriend in it. This is the best she's ever looked, I think, but this is also one of her best acting performances I've ever seen. She's like a Viking princess, a Viking queen. This movie's great. There's a whole scene where when when the Northman is, he's pillaging. He's with all these people, and they go into a town, and they mess stuff up. But it's an awesome scene because it's like, an action scene in this movie and the final battle scene in this movie is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And Nicole Kidman plays a bad guy. in it, So I'll give you guys that as well. But the Northman's a really good, really interesting movie to watch, but you have to be in the, you have to know what you're getting yourself into before I get into my top two there. I did have a couple honorable mentions. Nope was great. It's one of the first movies I went back to the theater to see this year. I'm really glad I did. I think the whole storyline with Gordy, the monkey is phenomenal in it and it made me look at how we take care of animals in a different light kiki palmer is incredible in this movie daniel kaluuya continues to knock it out of the park and jordan peele continues to prove why he's one of the best directors out there right now weird is the other one i want to talk about the weird owl movie on roku it's fantastic people like it's hilarious it's a parody movie about a parody singer and it's incredible weird owl himself is in the movie playing somebody else Rain Wilson's Dr. Demento. Jack Black plays Wolfman Jack. <laughs> like the cameos they get in this movie are incredible. But Daniel Radcliffe and Evan Rachel Wood, I believe I've said this on our podcast before, they deserve recognition for how committed they were to the roles of Weird Al Yankovic and Madonna. It was awesome, especially Evan Rachel Wood is a powerhouse in this movie. I cannot say enough how excellent she was. But my top two movies of the year, number two is Hustle. 
Adam Sandler's doing something right lately. He's not making movies with his friends anymore. He's taking roles that are a little bit more dramatic where he can throw comedy in there. He does such a good job in Hustle. And this is a paint-by-color sports movie, but it's made so much better by his performance and Wancho Hernan Gomez's performance as Bo Cruz. I love basketball. I loved everything about this movie. Queen Latifah plays his wife. She's really good in it. I cannot think of the actor who plays Ben Foster's dad. He's a famous actor. It's not it's not Robert De Niro, but it's a guy of that ilk. I cannot think of who played. But anyway, he's barely in the movie. And his role is so pivotal to, pivotal to what happens in this movie. And he's incredible in the, in the little bits of it that he's in. But you get to see all these basketball players. You get to see the combine. But you get to see the life of a scout and how hard of a job that would be. and how it, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, thank you. I knew <laughs> I was right on the Robert part. Yeah. But you see how draining and how exhausting and how hard of a job it is for a scout. And I mean, uh, Hustle's a great, a great movie, but the best movie, again, this was like Better Call Saul for me, a home run is everything everywhere all at once. We live in this world now where multiverses are the big thing, but it's always with superheroes. This movie doesn't do that. This movie has multiverses in it, and it's a very, very key point, but this movie is about immigration and family and coming to America and trying to live a dream. And Michelle Yeoh is just so, 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 so good. Um, short round Kiwe Kwan, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. He's the the husband in it. This is a revelation. I mean, I, I love short rounds. I kid, I loved his role in Goonies seeing him. And like, there's a scene where he's dressed in a tux and like looks very fashionable. And he pulls that off. Michelle Yeoh pulls it off. The girl who plays their daughter, Stephanie Sue, I believe is her name. She's really good. This is this is a movie that has multiverse. It has crazy stuff that happens in it. Like just for reference, the, the guys who directed this directed the movie Swiss Army Man. If you don't know what Swiss Army Man is about, <laughs> just go read the synopsis and you'll get what I'm saying. But there's crazy stuff that happens in this movie. There's crazy stuff that happens with Jamie Lee Curtis, who is exceptional in this movie. I've talked to anybody about this movie that I can saying they have to see it. I took our father to see it in the theaters, like right when theaters were reopening. I vividly remember going with him and uh, both of us wearing N95s in the theater because we didn't know. It was the second movie I saw in the theaters behind the Batman. And we went to a theater to see this, a Vax only theater to see this with our masks on. And I was just blown away at everything I saw. I showed it to my wife recently and she was a puddle of tears because of the family stuff in this. This is a fun movie with funny stuff, but it's a story about immigration. It's a story about family and it's a story about coming to terms with everything everything changing all the time it's it's a fantastic piece of work and it's a movie that i will watch probably once a year every year now you just listed all the movies i need to go see i mean that's <laughs> and i again there's there's a lot of different reasons i like going out to the theater it's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this it's been very very busy this year i do want to say though the movie that i saw in the theater this year which I, I think is a great movie, but just seeing the theater itself made it all the better was Top Gun Maverick. Still haven't seen it. Yeah, we talked about these legacy sequels on a podcast recently, so I'm not going to go over all that stuff again. But I will say, there is an incredibly, and I mean incredibly, if you just if I just told you about it, people would be rolling their eyes. Just such a cheesy moment at the end of that movie. But... Uh, kind of a mixture of Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, how they got to that point of the movie and how they actually arrive at that point is so earned. It felt weird. I know these are rich people and I don't need to, you know, hope anything good for Tom Cruise or anybody like that. But I was genuinely happy for him that that movie worked because it shouldn't have worked. And there's even a scene with he and Val Kilmer in the movie, which is great, which is really, really good. But the the reason why the reason why it still hits me to this day, because I remember when this movie was over, I looked at my wife and I said, that was effing awesome. It just was the the scenes and in the in the jets. And look, everybody has said this. If you haven't seen the movie, it's basically the plot of the first Star Wars movie. They have to shoot a missile into a little tiny place. I mean, okay. it's that simple. But the scenes of them doing that and when they go make the run on this mythical bad guy country is so good. And everybody in that movie, I appreciate people in our movie that are, that are good. But outside of everything, um, I'm going to say. Everywhere, uh, all at uh, once. Yes, outside of that, 
I feel like I've got to, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, but I, I just, I have to watch this movie Tar. Yeah, I keep hearing, I, that's what I hear people calling it too, and I really want to see it. But yeah, I haven't seen that yet either. I mean, just from what everybody says <laughs> is, you watch Kate Blanchett in this movie, and it is just unbelievable. And, and yeah, people are saying it's one of the greatest acting performances ever. And it's like, so I do, I do have that on my list. I also have uh, the Knives Out sequel. On oh list, yes, but I'm yeah. waiting for that to come on Netflix. Well, yeah, so. it's going to be on Netflix here in a couple of weeks. So yeah, obviously. Yeah. And I talked about like I was going to go see, uh, I was going to go see Black Adam in the theater. It's going to be on HBO Max the day after mm-hmm. we record this. I was going to go see Wakanda Forever. It's going to be on Disney Plus in like a month. Yep. So yep. <laughs> it's I mean, well, and um, Nope is streaming on Peacock now too. So yeah, Nope is available to watch as well. Yeah, I need to see that one. So. All right, music. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first here because it's gonna be nice, quick, and easy. Um, uh, it might be that way for me too. So. the The biggest thing of music for me this year is I finally cut off from Spotify because they annoy me, and just went with a different music service. And it's Apple Music, and it's uh, man, their interface sucks. It's so okay. they need to do better. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. But I okay. did. A band that I like, a band that I listened to, released an album this year. Arcade Fire in early May came out with this album, We. It's like this weird concept album. And I I fired up my Apple Music. I put it on, put my headphones on, and I'm like, this is great. And I know Arcade Fire. I know they're tiring. I know Win Butler can ball, but every time he wins the celebrity MVP, he's like all gloomy and everything. He takes it again way too seriously <laughs> yeah. also. But And so I was listening. I'm like, okay, that's it. I got to go pick this up on vinyl. And I think literally like a day after I first listened to it is when all the scandal came out about Win Butler, about yep. him sleeping with groupies and all this other stuff. And what really turned me off more than anything is his wife basically like, well, you just don't know how hard it is for him to be him. And I'm like, okay, you people. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so so I have no music, Ty. So there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, no. See, this is interesting. You mentioned at the top of the podcast how I turned 40 a couple of days before we were recording this and how it feels different. Nothing made me feel more like a 40-year-old than when I was doing research for this last night because I'm looking at Paste, I'm looking at Vulture, I'm looking at Vox, I'm looking at all these sites I used to read on Pitchfork. I don't know half of these artists anymore. I don't know who these people are. I haven't listened to them. And it's crazy because I feel like, for one, I'm stuck in my ways and that'll be very very apparent when I name the three albums that I'm going to put on here. But also two is like, I don't like this new music. I'm not a fan of this stuff. Like Taylor Swift's good. I respect her. I respect what she does. Mm-hmm. I just don't like her music. A lot of these rappers that are coming, like I really like Kodak Black, but only when he's performing with Kendrick Lamar. So like I'm in this weird space where instead of finding new music, I'm going back and listening to older artists like, I, I believe last year when we did this, I mentioned Talking Heads and how I discovered them for myself in 2021. I'm doing that a lot more. So that'll lead me into my fifth musical thing this year is that due to this game, Beat Star that I play and listening to some older alternative rock, I've rediscovered my love for bands like Clutch, Franz Ferdinand, and um, The Strokes. Now, I understand that all of them have their weird stuff that's going on, but The one that I've gotten most into, who I never really gave a shot to, is Franz Ferdinand. And the reason why is because I watched that Sparks Brothers documentary and found out that they did an album with Sparks Brothers. And I listened to that. I'm like, Franz Ferdinand's pretty rad. Now I go back and listen to him and I play that song, that Take Me Out song on Beatstar. And it's like, oh, this is a good band. I enjoy the music they play. So it's funny. I wouldn't listen to those bands back then because the music snob in me thought, oh, they're too popular. There's a reason why they're popular. There's a reason why the music they made was liked by so many people. And I just, I guess I just don't care anymore what people think about me. So I will listen to it. The other thing before I get in my albums is um, I started going to live concerts again. This was the year I decided to go back. Two of them, I've been to three, two of them been outside. So that was good. I felt comfortable. Leon Bridges was fantastic when I saw him. But the one after that, that I went to, and I did see Kendrick Lamar. I'll talk about him in a second here. So everybody's pumped the brakes. But I went to see Nas and Wu-Tang Clan at Riverport. I don't know what it's called now. I'm just going to call it Riverport because that's mm-hmm. what I call it. And it was awesome. These are two. Nas is an icon. Wu-Tang Clan, I think, might be the greatest collection of rappers that has ever existed. And to watch them, I know some people are like, oh, Wu-Tang Clan didn't sound as good. I thought they sounded great. 
And I like the way the show vacillated. I mean, Busta Rhymes came out at the end of this show. This was like all that 15-year-old Ty could have wanted in the world was to see these three people perform. And I had to wait until I was, you know, almost 40 to see it. But it was awesome. Like, I couldn't believe how good Nas was. And I don't know why I even question it, but Nas came out, played all his hits, played some of his new stuff. It was fantastic. I was so happy that I got to see these two people, this band and this person perform on the same night. And what made it even better is the concert ended after two hours because they're all old, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't want to be out late either. So I was stoked about that. I wanted to get those out of the way. Now I'll get into albums. I have the Black Keys new record on here, Dropout Boogie. I'm a fan of theirs. I love the Black Keys, always have. First time I saw them was when you and I lived together on MTV MTV2 when they showed music videos. And that was, I think, in 2002. And I've been a fan of the band ever since. Dropout Boogie is a return to form. It's like listening to their classic stuff with a little bit of a sheen on it. Dan Auerbach's still a great guitar player. Patrick Carney's still a fantastic drummer. The album didn't get a lot of love, I think maybe because critics quote-unquote critics are sick of black keys music i'm not i love the album i think it's great now as it should come to a shock to nobody my top two albums are hip-hop albums my first one is cheat codes this is danger mouse and black thought this album's fantastic this album has some of the best beats i've ever heard in hip-hop black thought crushes everything on here but you have guest appearances from people ranging from michael kiwanaka ASAP Rocky, Run the Jewels. It's the last recording of MF Doom that people know of. It's great. This album's fantastic. Danger Mouse continues to prove why he's... Now that Rick Rubin... I don't know that Rick Rubin's retired, but Rick Rubin isn't doing much. I think Danger Mouse is the best producer working right now. And Black Thought, every time I'm like, ah, I'm kind of out on him, he does something like this, and I get pulled back in. He is exceptional on this record. And then my number one record, I said I'd get to him. It's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Kendrick Lamar continues to prove why he's the best at it, continues to prove why there's no equal to him. I saw him live in Kansas City with our brother Seth, who we mentioned earlier, and this was an experience. Seth told me afterward when we were talking, it was like watching a play. And Kendrick Lamar just came out. And the stuff he raps about on this record, about going to therapy, about dealing with COVID, about confessing to his wife the multiple times he has cheated on her. It is a therapy session. This album is an absolute therapy session, and it's incredible because you get to hear Kendrick Lamar rap about the crazy stuff that's going on, and all of us have issues that we deal with, and we don't know how to get it across, and his way to get it across is to rap about it. And Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is, I, I keep saying it on this podcast, but it's a work of art. It is incredible to listen to. It's incredible to hear him talk about these things and I love this album. I know some people say, oh, it's not, you can't listen to it more than once. I've listened to it dozens of times and it still holds as much regard with me as it did the first time. Mr. Morale and Big Steppers is hands down. My my top stuff to pick this year for this category were so easy to me because they were so far above everything else. Yeah, I mean, maybe just shouldn't be talking about music is I guess what people kind (laughs) of tell us. And I know somebody said a while ago, I'm like, I'm cool. I listen to bands like vampire weekend. They're like vampire weekends for 40 year old dudes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So yeah, I get it. Well, the, the lesson I have is I need to get my ass off of the couch in my house and go get my ass into a movie theater or something <laughs> like that. And, There's so much good TV. You mentioned yeah. the boys. I mean, yeah. Abbott Elementary, the stuff that we talked about, the boys has a cartoon now on Amazon. Like, yeah. And I just talked about Kendrick Lamar. He has a concert on Amazon Prime live from Paris that we can watch. Like, TV is where it's at, dude. No, it know. is. No, it is. It is. I, that's, I said these. You're giving these people the time to tell the stories they want to tell, and it's great. Mm. And we better appreciate it while we can because Warner Brothers and HBO Max is imploding right in front of us. And Disney's talking about cutting costs on TV and things like that. So that's why I was so quick to go to Joe Parrott Talks with you because I'm like, I don't know how much longer this is going to be on HBO Max. Yeah. So I better get it in while I can. Well, if Joe Parrott does need to talk to you, Ty, where is he going to find you? That would make my dreams come true. <laughs> just call, just on. call our uncle Jeff. It's like talking. Yeah, to it was, <laughs> it's funny too because I, I was explaining the show to our parents, and I was like, "Man, this is like everybody in our family." But no, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Ty Kulik, T Y K U L I K, all lowercase. More importantly, read my stuff on Seedsing, S E E D S I N G dot com. The stuff we talked about, 
today and when this podcast comes out, I'm going to write more in-depth stuff about it the following week so you can read all of my top best of lists there starting next week. But I have tons of other stuff, sports and pop culture stuff, all on seedsing.com, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on Chucklehead Chat. I keep saying it and it's going to happen. I'm going to be on that podcast again. I believe in the new year, just trying to figure out times and stuff. But my buddy Glenn Adams hosts that. You can find that wherever. But most importantly, you can listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, rate, review us, as you said at the top of our patrons. Keep coming. Keep keep helping us out if you want to keep hearing this stuff. It's a lot of fun to do this. I do want to wish the day we're recording this, my dog turned 10. So I turned 40. My wife turned 40 the next day, and my dog is 10 now. So we got three birthdays in a row. Day we're recording this, he's somewhere in my house right now. I don't know where, probably growling or barking at somebody because he's an old man. So... Happy birthday to the Charlie boy. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that seed saying, ex-millennial man. Happy birthdays. Best birthday or best Christmas gift I ever got, my baby brother. <laughs> yeah, right. It was, you were <laughs> Seth who wanted to name me Spider-Man. When I was a baby. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, uh, yeah, we're, um, we're going to take next week off for Festivus and yep. all of that stuff. And then probably do one podcast here before the end of the year. Talk about why we're why we're gonna be first in line to see Chris Pratt do the Mario voice. And no, I don't want to see that either. <laughs> Super Mario movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so well, uh, we wish you all the happiest of holidays. And if you don't have a happy holiday, I hope you get haunted like you would not believe by it's just a scary ass story. You think about it. The man was uh-huh. terrorized all night and he had a psychotic well, break. He was a mean mm. person though. So <laughs> well, yeah. six in one hand, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my poor wife has to hear me always talk about how Scrooge is okay. It's Bob Cratchit, who's an alcoholic oh, and a pile on. of garbage. <laughs> so, You're crazy, man. Crazy. All right. And then um, in the new year, we're going to start that movie ranking thing. I'm going to have that website ready to roll here or that part of the website. So with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And Happy of all the holidays, Ty, and I'll see you soon. Yep, happiest holidays to everybody out there who celebrates. Uh huh. And God's bless us, everyone. Oh boy. <laughs> all right, see ya. Bye. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.